Jawbone's latest funding may mean trouble, Basis joins the rest of the world, and the Apple Watch Fairy finally arrived. Good morning. This is the Wearable Tech Insider podcast for the week ending May 22, 2015. I'm Dan Rosenbaum. This week, Jawbone raised $300 million last month from the private equity firm BlackRock, but it came as debt, not equity, which means lots of strings. The basis peak will share its data with both the Apple and Google health ecosystems, and we've finally been playing with an Apple Watch for a few days. First, Jawbone. It's not exactly a secret that Jawbone looks like it's flailing around these days. The Up3 fitness band missed last year's holiday season by months because of manufacturing problems, and they had to announce the Up4 before the Up3 even shipped. The company is zigged and zagged between Bluetooth headsets and speakers and now fitness bands, which have been really well received, but not leading the market either. Jawbone got a big infusion last month from the private equity company BlackRock, but it's a $300 million loan, not an equity investment. It makes a difference. If a company succeeds, equity partners can win big and lenders, well, lenders get their money back plus interest. But if a company tanks, goes bankrupt, Equity partners get wiped out, and it's the lenders who are first in line for whatever's left. The intellectual property, the licensing fees, the distribution deals, whatever. $300 million is more than half of what Jawbone has raised in its 10 years of life. It's a lot of money, so BlackRock plainly thinks Jawbone's a good bet. But maybe not all that good, because a loan instead of an investment looks to us like something of a hedge. Because hedging, of course, is exactly what private equity firms do. Besides, there's probably something in the terms that lets BlackRock convert some of that debt to equity at some point, if they want, but we're just guessing about that. Basis. The Basis Peak Fitness Watch has a lot of fans. Athletes say it's pretty accurate, has plenty of functions, is reasonably attractive, and has a decent user interface. But getting the data out has always been a problem. Until now. Basis this week rolled out a software revision that puts the peak into both the Apple Health and Google Fit ecosystems. Now that's a good thing, because islands of fitness data are a real pain. Getting Fitbit data into RunKeeper, for instance, is a multi-step process, and when you finally do it, there are usually accuracy problems. Fitbit, on the other hand, doesn't let you import data or sync with anything but Microsoft's Health Vault. Frankly, it's my data and my activity and I should be able to put it into whatever devices I use, which is why we like the basis announcement and hope more device companies make data sharing easier. But at the same time, we wonder, why do Apple and Google care about this ecosystem? Google makes sense because Google is all about user data. The more Google knows about you and people like you, the better it can target content to you. If it knows your favorite bike ride, it can point you to all the KFCs along your route. But where's Apple's play in all of this? Is it building a health ecosystem because it's trying to protect its iTunes business? I mean, Apple and Google play in each other's business enough that it makes a certain amount of sense that Apple would be worried that people who start using Google Fit might find their way to Google's music store. Or maybe it's just that the companies are now so combative in mobile and consumer cloud that Apple has health and the underlying health kit because it just kind of has to have them. Now on the health beat, here's Alfred Poor. Alfred? Thanks, Dan. Covered a lot of interesting stories this week on Health Tech Insider. One of the ones that struck me the most was a story about a bunch of doctors at University of Michigan who have saved the lives of babies in a remarkable way. 
basically some infants are born with a rare condition where the airways in their lungs aren't big enough to allow them to breathe properly, and many of them die. Uh, these doctors were able to, to come up with a way to fabricate a cylindrical splint custom-sized for each patient using 3D printer technology. The splint goes around the small airway, and they actually stitch the airway to the splint to help open it up and keep it open. And the splint is open along one side. It's got a slit along one edge, so it can actually grow as the patient grows. And in two or three years, when the child is big enough the lungs have grown big enough for them to breathe fine on their own, the body actually reabsorbs the splint material, so there's there's no need for follow-up surgery to take it out again at the end. So that's pretty cool. They've saved three babies with this new procedure, and hopefully we'll do clinical trials to make it more widely available. Another interesting story this week comes out of the Mayo Clinic. People talk a lot about digital health and wearable technology and how it can benefit people and save lives and money. But the question is, is, is it really effective? Well, researchers at the Mayo Clinic went through hundreds and hundreds of research papers and determined that just looking at cardiovascular disease, which is responsible for one out of every three deaths in this country and costs us billions of dollars a year, they found that digital health treatments and interventions of all sorts taken together can provide up to a 40% improvement for cardiovascular patients. So that's an, an enormous number of lives saved, an enormous amount of money saved if these kinds of procedures and treatments can be adopted on a broad scale. And that's just two of the stories we've covered. For HealthTechInsider.com, I'm Alfred Poor. Thanks, Alfred. Now let's talk Apple Watch. We finally got ours at the very end of last week, and we've been fiddling with it for a few days. We bought the stainless steel version with a leather strap. It's very nice. So the first thing, no matter what you've heard, it is not ugly and huge. Quite the contrary, it's pretty sleek and unobtrusive, much more than the Fitbit Surge we've been wearing. Lots more comfortable, too. But what about the function? Should you run out and buy it? Well, the functions are great. Apple's given tons of thought to what data you might need on your wrist, what functions are so moment-to-moment -moment that digging for your phone might not make sense or might not be convenient. The interface takes some time to learn, maybe inevitably it's more complicated than an iPhone, and I can't quite shake the feeling that there are things and functions built into the watch that I don't know about yet. Not all apps perform as well as you'd hope, mostly a function of speed to network. That may get better with software revisions, both of the watch's OS and the apps themselves. A Siri works better on the watch than on the phone, which is good, because it's really more useful on the watch. But Apple really does need to figure out a way to let you edit dictated text messages, because while Siri's voice recognition is good, it's very far from perfect. So do you need to run out and buy one? Well, no, not unless you're a big gadget freak like we are here. As a notification device and a second mobile screen, and simply as a nice watch, the Apple Watch is terrific. But we miss the casual step counting that every other fitness tracker does. If you want a tracker, pretty much anything else, including the iPhone, does a better job. Now, the iPhone made such an impact because the first thing it did was combine two other must-have devices, a cell phone and an MP3 player. Remember, gaming in the app and music stores came later. Now, the Apple Watch doesn't do that. Its use case is more subtle. It's an accessory to what used to be an accessory but is now a hub. It doesn't meet the ultimate test. If you forgot it at home in the morning, would you turn around and get it? For now, no. At least, it's not there yet. 
And that's all for this week. The Wearable Tech Insider podcast is a production of Centering Media, Brooklyn, New York. Alfred Poor is on the health beat. The music's by Michael Roth. And production is by me, Dan Rosenbaum. Check out our daily updates at wearabletechinsider.com and healthtechinsider.com. And by all means, subscribe to our weekly email newsletters there and to this podcast on iTunes. For Wearable Tech Insider, I'm Dan Rosenbaum. Thanks for listening. See you next time.